16. Time went on, and the auberge de Jean Cotard showed no signs of opening. Boris and I went down there one day during our afternoon interval, and found that none of the alterations had been done, except the indecent pictures, and there were three duns instead of two. The patron greeted us with his usual blandness, and the next instant turned to me, his prospective dishwasher, and borrowed five francs. After that, I felt certain that the restaurant would never get beyond talk. The patron, however, once again, named the opening for exactly a fortnight from today, and introduced us to the woman who was to do the cooking, a Baltic Russian, five feet tall, and a yard across the hips. She told us that she had been a singer before she came down to cooking, and that she was very artistic, and adored English literature, especially La Casse de la Oncle Tom. In a fortnight, I had got so used to the routine of a plongeur's life, I could hardly imagine anything different. It was a life without much variation. At a quarter to six, one woke with a sudden start, tumbled into grease-stiffened clothes, and hurried out with a dirty face and protesting muscles. It was dawn. The windows were dark, except for the workmen's cafes. The sky was like a vast, flat wall of cobalt, with roofs and spires of black paper pasted upon it. Drowsy men were sweeping the pavements with ten-foot besoms, and ragged families picking over the dustbins. Workmen and girls, with a piece of chocolate in one hand and a croissant on the other, were pouring into the metro stations. Trams, filled with more workmen, boomed gently past. One hastened down to the station, fought for a place. One does literally have to fight on the Paris metro at six in the morning, and stood jammed in the swaying mass of passengers nose to nose with some hideous French face, breathing sour wine and garlic. And then one descended into the labyrinth of the hotel basement and forgot daylight until two o'clock, when the sun was hot and the town black with people and cars. After my first week at the hotel, I always spent the afternoon interval in sleeping, or, when I had money, in a bistro, except for a few ambitious waiters who went to English glasses, the whole staff wasted their leisure in this way. One seemed too lazy after a morning's work to do anything better. Sometimes half a dozen plongeurs would make up a party and go to an abominable brothel in the Rue de Sierre, where the charge was only five francs, twenty-five centimes, tenpence halfpenny. It was nicknamed Le Prefixe, where they used to describe their experiences there as a great joke. It was a favourite rendezvous of hotel workers. The plongers' wages did not allow them to marry. No doubt work in the basement does not encourage fastidious feelings. For another four hours one was in the cellars, and then one emerged, sweating into the cool street. It was lamplight, that strange purplish gleam of the Paris lamps, and beyond the river the Eiffel Tower flashed from top to bottom with zigzag sky signs, like enormous snakes of fire. Streams of cars glided silently to and fro, 
and women, exquisite-looking in the dim light, strolled up and down the arcade. Sometimes a woman would glance at Boris or me, and then, noticing our greasy clothes, look hastily away. One fought another battle in the metro, and one was home by ten. Generally, from ten to midnight, I went to a little bistro in our street, an underground place frequented by Arab navvies. It was a bad place for fights, and I sometimes saw bottles thrown, once with a rather fearful effect. As a rule, the Arabs fought amongst themselves, and they let Christians alone. Raki, the Arab drink, was very cheap, and the bistro was open at all hours, for the Arabs' lucky men had the power of working all day and drinking all night. It was the typical life of a plongeur, and it didn't seem a bad life at the time. I had no sensation of poverty, for even after paying my rent and setting aside enough for tobacco and journeys and my food on Sundays, I still had four francs a day for drinks and four francs for wealth. There was, and it's hard to express it, a sort of heavy contentment, the contentment that a well-fed beast might feel in a life which had become so simple. For nothing could be simpler than the life of a plongeur. He lives in a rhythm between work and sleep, without time to think, hardly conscious of the exterior world. His Paris has shrunk to the hotel, the metro, a few bistros, and his bed. If he goes afield, it's only a few streets away, on a trip with some servant girl who sits on his knee, swallowing oysters and beer. On his free day, he lies in bed till noon, puts on a clean shirt, throws dice for drinks, and, after lunch, goes back to bed again. Nothing is quite real to him, but the boulot drinks and sleep, and the sleep is the most important of the three. One night, in the small hours, there was a murder just beneath my window. I was woken by a fearful uproar, and, going to the window, I saw a man lying flat on the stones below. I could see the murderers, three of them, flitting away at the end of the street. Some of us went down and found the man was quite dead, his skull cracked with a piece of lead piping. I remember the colour of his blood. It was curiously purple, like wine, and it was still on the cobbles when I came home that evening. And they said the school children had come from miles round just to see it. But the thing that strikes me in looking back is that I was in bed and asleep within three minutes of the murder. And so were most people in the street. We just made sure that the man was done for, and then we went straight back to bed. We were working people. And where was the sense of wasting sleep over a murder? Work in the hotel taught me the true value of sleep, just as being hungry had taught me the true value of food. Sleep had ceased to be a mere physical necessity. It was something voluptuous, a debauch more than a relief. I had no more trouble with the bugs. Mario had told me of a sure remedy for them, namely pepper, strewn thick over the bedclothes. Well, it made me sneeze, but the bugs all hated it and they emigrated to other rooms.'